0: video shows a student attacking a Rockdale County teacher, sending her to the hospital with a broken leg. The sheriff's office and the school district now have open investigations. news center reporter Joy Dukes joins us now from the Live Desk. Joy, teacher advocates say
1: classrooms have gotten more violent over the years. Yeah, Tom, that teacher will have to undergo rehabilitation for her injuries. A representative for a state teachers union says that kind of violence at the hands of students is directly related to the country. The massive teacher shortage. this video of a student attacking a teacher inside a heritage high school classroom on january 26th is now under review by the school district and authorities with the rockdale county sheriff's office students are
2: out of control
1: the video which has since been shared thousands of times on social media shows chaos erupting in the hallway after an argument between the student and teacher seen here (laughs) escalates. AS THAT STUDENT APPEARS TO SLAM THE CLASSROOM DOOR ON THE TEACHER AND THEN BEGINS TO THROW PUNCHES.
2: THERE IS NO EXCUSE FOR THE VIOLENCE. THERE IS NO EXCUSE FOR CHILDREN WHO ARE COMING TO OUR SCHOOLS DAILY. AND wreaking CAN have it SO OTHERS CANNOT LEARN. Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenge in the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with Jojo C-Train Socialist Andy Lipson and Community Advocate Jema Sotomayor. Uh, we're online at what'sleftpodcast.com. Uh, that is what'sleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca on Instagram and just his Twitter handle as at jhomie89. Um, Please subscribe, rate to view, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode wherever we found this episode. Thank you. Uh, all right. So what's left, uh, family? We're having a small, uh, before we get into our topic of today, which are schools that are increasingly violent after the pandemic, which will be an interesting topic for today's st- episode. We're going to have a quick update for our audience. Uh, Andy, why don't you give our update?
0: Well, first off... Uh jessica two weeks ago after we had stopped recording let us let me and eduardo know that she she's just gonna have to take a break for personal reasons she loves the show she loves doing it but um she's just got some goals she needs to pursue and she's just gonna need to dedicate herself full time to that so she asked that um she be given till either the end of this year possibly january to be like let me sort some stuff out and then i'll be back um So both Eduardo and I were like, oh, my God, Um, we were we were both not happy. And, you know, but I actually am happy for Jessica that she's taking this time to do this for herself. But what we're trying to say is Jessica's not going to be here for a while Um, and uh, we'll miss her. Um, uh, I mean, she may pop on to episodes. She might. She might. We even said that she could like literally. Bomb in, like, literally come in. Like, she could come into the middle of this episode and say hi, um, although she won't do that. Um, but we'll see what she ends up deciding to do. Um, but I'll have you know that she's not leaving what's left, but she is taking a sabbatical that's the word, right? Sabbatical. Um, and I guess Kenny took one for a while. Um, Kenny's kind of still taking one. Um, Eduardo has taken moments of like he's had to go to various places where we, he hasn't been on the show as much. Um, and that's what's happening for Jessica, so um. That means a change for us because now we have a uh, Hema here. Um, but first Eduardo, is there anything you want to say about Jessica going? Did I leave anything out?
2: Yeah. Um, uh, I think it was, she dropped a bomb on us, um, <laughs> right, right after the episode ended. And it was, I was a bit shocked. Uh, she, <laughs> she was a very, she's been very busy. And so, uh, I, I know I understand what it you know people come and go uh we since the beginning of this Andy you and I have always tried to plow through you know and even when I'm traveling whether I'm in France or in Spain or whether I'm in Colombia or in Mexico I've tried to be on and I think I <laughs> but there have been times where I'm like I can't get any connection here I'm in the middle of a small town in Colombia, I might need to take a break or I'm in Mexico and my great-grandfather doesn't have connection out here, you know, and that happens. But I do my best to always be there. But sometimes life calls and you have to take a, a you have to do other things and that's, she's going through a transition. So um, best of luck and, and 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 we'll see Jessica. She's not leaving. She's not leaving. No one, no one leaves what's left. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they, <they're laughs> they always cool. come back. There I, are-
1: no, I need to review my contract with y'all. <laughs> I don't know about this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So Jessica will definitely will miss you. I think. Um. And I will say to, to our audience, if I was hoping she would say a proper, not goodbye, but au revoir, but uh, she just wasn't up for that. Um. But if you want that, go ahead in the in the in the comments section. Let us know um i know i'm i'm never i never stop hema i understand but nevertheless um the first thing that ha- that can uh, the first thing that eduardo and i did we like jessica went out, like logged off and me and eduardo talked and hema your your name came up pretty immediately as like and it's the only name we had <laughs> we we were thinking of other names we could could we could go to and um uh we were like I wonder there if there other like, people
2: we thought about but like Emma came up first. But,
0: the, but really the only person who we felt would fit to like be a regular a regular guest with us in the in the way that Jessica and Kenny have been. Um and uh and I honestly did not expect you to to agree to it. I I thought we'd ask you and you're like you're busy with a lot of things too, you know. Um which you can talk about if you choose. But um but honestly I I've, I've wanted to have you be a a, a regular guest on the show for a while. Um, in fact, even before we mentioned Jessica, I think both Eduardo and I had, had thought about you as somebody who could do it. And um, I think at, at one point you kind of re- refrained from from joining us, um, but I'm really excited that you're here. I think she's not a socialist. She's not an anarchist. I don't know how I would label you, politi- label you politically other than outspoken. I would, that's an adjective I would use. as an, an advocate. An
1: I'm a <laughs> an angry unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Um, but I do think you'll bring um an interesting uh, you'll be in a, you'll bring some interesting ideas into this, into our weekly discussions. Um I don't know if you haven't necessarily committed to be hearing weekly, but you've definitely committed to like shows you want to where you have something you want to bring to it. We're I think our audience is gonna see more of you. Let's put it that way. That's how I put it. So um welcome.
1: Well, thank you. Lipsing, you sure know how to make a girl feel special. We thought of you, but no other names were on <laughs> Well
0: I'm saying no other names. No other names.
1: I will this say is the, no.
0: Wait, can I
2: say one, one thing, Hema? This can be cut. You know, I had thought about you, but I thought what if Hema is too busy and she doesn't want to do it? I was thinking literally we would make a call out on what's left for people to apply. And then uh mm-hmm. we that was one thing I had I had planned to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we wanted to make sure you were first.
1: You guys could have made me audition.
2: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: (laughs) No, honestly, I was just telling Lipson that when I got the message, I didn't hesitate. It was like, yeah, you know, it's your guys is all right. I do have a lot of stuff going on my plate. So do you guys. And I miss this. I miss the banter. I miss the back and forth. Um, I am, while I'm not, shy about saying my thoughts and expressing what I'm feeling or what I think. There is something to it being permanently online that is a little bit terrifying, which I think is part of the hesitation to do anything. I do want to start off by saying that for those of you that are OG WhatsApp, li- WhatsApp listeners, you would have seen maybe an episode or two with me in it. And those of you that have not, please don't be alarmed by some of the outlandish things that I say. Most of the things that I say is to gather a response is for you guys to think about it. Half of it is partly I believe it. And I'm kind of testing it out just to see what it comes out there. But I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's gonna be so much fun. I made a promise to Jessica to keep you boys in line. I intend to keep and honor that promise <laughs> and just hold her seat warm while she comes back.
0: And Jessica did meet Emma when when she visited that was one of the first people you met she met was you and Jorge and Brian. So there is a family here
1: and i think this will also be good for the listeners the, those that are actually watching the show as you guys have mentioned me before but they might not have a face to the name so now they can put a face and a voice to the name yep yeah all right we should we get started yes okay
2: i, I want to say for people who are on who are on podcast cuz i know several people who listen to the podcast they can always come on to youtube or rumble or any of our Viewing uh outlets so I can watch Emma kill me, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and also to say that this week we we were pretty much like we wanted Emma to join us and we were pretty much like Emma, what do you want to talk about? So this is kind of her show today.
1: Yes, thank you, gents. Um, so this just coincided the day that Lipson reached out and said, "Hey, this is happening. Eduardo and I would like for you to join us." I that morning I had read an article um, that came up about vile increase in violent attacks in schools perpetrated from students towards school officials. And given that my relationship with Lipson started at school, you you were my high school teacher, my science high school teacher, and Eduardo, I know you're very much involved in the education system as well. I thought this is perfect. For selfish reasons, I wanted to have this be the topic that I come into because I generally have questions for you guys. You guys are in it. I'm looking to be a mom. I know my child will eventually be in the school system. And it just set up some red flags, but also, you know, curiosity struck. So I said, let's talk about it with my expert fellers.
2: I don't know if we're experts necessarily.
1: <laughs> you guys will wing it. I trust yeah. you. <laughs>
2: But we do have experience in, in, in education. And uh, Hemad, I don't want to, you to undermine your own experience. You've been a community organizer in the Mission District for a long time. You know, you are involved with, men, with organizations that are uh, working with immigrant families. And so I've seen you work uh, and also have attended events of yours. And you also have worked with families, maybe not directly in the way that we do with ed- in education like students. But, you know, so I I think that you'll have a lot to say as well so in your own experience back home from Nicaragua, which I should say that you are from. And uh, and one thing that makes it very special, I'm sorry being a little selfish here, but with more time talking about you. But one thing I feel very special about hima that I don't feel with a lot of people is it's very rare to find another person that has lived in two countries, have had to go to school in the USA. Gone back to their own home country and then come back. And that's rare because, you know, most people who are working class don't have the possibilities because of their papers. And so you and I share that commonality. Then that thing really feels I feel very connected to you. I'm one of those. I remember being as a kid, um, one of those kids at the airport waiting for their bags to be checked because we had cheese and fruit and all kinds of things. And I was with the Costa Rican children. And I was with the Annika I went to children and that because our parents would fill us up with things as so we'd go back and forth so anyhow so I feel this kinship with uh the kids who had either double nationality or would go back and forth <laughs> you know uh, across borders so I feel that connection with you anyhow back to back to the topic so um so yes uh so I think that you have a lot to contribute here so I don't want you to undermine your own experience and what you have to bring to the table um Right then. So you shared with us an 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 article and then I looked up several other articles. You want to tell us about those articles?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the article that I was looking up and I'm just gonna get it real quick. Um, Do you so wanna share
0: I... your screen or you're gonna like show it? Like, I mean we'll probably post we can probably it. will
1: probably add it afterwards because I don't I don't have it yeah. I don't have it up. But the article itself is titled I have a bunch of them saved? School kids are so violent coming out of the pandemic that they're sending teachers to the hospital. But an expert says to resist, get tough approaches. This was published on September 24th, and I got it on Fortune. Yeah. Now, the just to be clear, the article itself... if if the audience goes and reads it, it's very short and it doesn't, well, the title is misleading because the title got me by saying are so violent coming out of the pandemic. I'm thinking they're going to make a connection to the pandemic and what transcribed, but they don't. They don't try to make any attempt at saying what the root cause of the issue is. They're just trying to analyze how school officials should react. Um, The article does link a test that was done, and I believe, and I don't, and now you made me second guess myself, um, Lipson, I don't know if it was John Hopkins or the University of Florida, it might have been one of those two.
0: I think it was the University of Florida.
1: Yeah, there's another article, and I'll I'll talk about that one maybe just in short, where they interviewed 850 public school leaders, mostly principals. And ask them questions about what the school year has been. And one over one third of the people interviewed were saying that they've noticed that children have been more violent coming back in, that they've had more incidents. And then they go into the population, they go into who it was that they asked. This is very arbitrary because if you're coming out of pandemic where you're just at home, for well, how many years were you guys teaching from, from home?
0: About almost a year and a half.
1: A year and a half? You can forget what it's like working with students. You can forget, you know, some of the drama that inadvertently goes with working with children and how to respond to it. So if you see a kid maybe give sass or push back and you would have brushed it off because before it was normal, it was a day-to-day thing. Now, since you haven't been exposed to that in a year and a half, you can all, you can say, oh, it's violence. So I, I wasn't sure what to read of it. The report that they used from the University of Florida was very just. I think it was just my opinion. This is what I feel. It wasn't giving really any indication. Um. So before I tell you guys about the rabbit holes that I went in to try and get more information, what did you guys, do you guys believe that that's the case? Like, have you seen an uptick in violent behaviors?
0: Eduardo, do you want to go first on this or should I? Yeah. So
2: I think, um, Andy, you work mostly middle high school. That's the upper grades. Yeah yeah i have always been mostly in elementary um, i have uh taught and uh i have assisted i have supported i have been in elementary school for oof, since <laughs> really if we went to account since my adolescence because i began as a tutor but then officially um like i i would say as an adult working primarily and in direct with children uh since i was very very young and and in my young adulthood Uh, The changes that I have seen and spoken with my former colleagues and friends who are teachers and are very uh, prominent. So, yes, I I have seen um, at the school that my nephew attends, which is where I do most of my uh, organizing efforts, um, the conversations about what's going on in school. of like how to teach academics but there's also the children being distracted by the how behind they are and their mental health and their behavior issues they don't really say behavior issues but that's what most teachers in common language will say so um when i say they don't say behavior issues i'm seeing like when something is written when staff are talking about these in a formal, like a, like a workshop or in a PD with prof- professional development day, they wouldn't write it like that. But I think a lot of teachers will just, you know, conventionally say behavior issues. And yeah, they, there's a rise in that. And it doesn't, to me, it does not surprise me because I've seen this already being discussed amongst families that have uh, texted me. Uh, the WhatsApp, they they will ask me, you know, my child's being bullied, or, you know, this is happening with my child. I don't know what to do. They're in middle school. Friends of mine or people I organize with, especially within the Latino community, now that they have kids in middle school, uh, they're telling us. As, as a matter of fact, Andy, you know, one of those families, one of those parents, Dea, who has been on the show before and has shared with us things. Uh, she removed her child because she just couldn't handle um, some of the stress that was happening. She just felt like kids were were not, um, there wasn't a safe learning environment for her son is how she put it. And I'm looking and I have, so, I also have some sites I pulled up, things I had looked up in the past and I just pulled them up now. And I'm going to reiterate some of the things. This is from the 7th of March, 2022. This is an organization, save the children. There's also UNICEF and all that. It. it says here COVID-19 five crises facing children after two years of pandemic. This isn't something that just is experiential and observed this is something that's been reported as well as far back as last year and we've been in lockdown for what what was it two two years in some cases some other places in the country three years so uh, the five crises facing children after two years of pandemic it says here number one rise in violence number two wor- worsening mental health number three rise in online violence Right There's all this cyber stuff that's going on. And of course, there was a rise in technology during 2020, a pivotal year, and the most technology that has ever been used in human history. Number four, schools closed doors. There's um, a generation of students unable to go to school. School closures are affecting 43.5 million learners in six countries. And this is something that has been difficult for schools to regain or recuperate their student population and also their resources and, and teachers not coming back uh five surge in poverty so those are the things that those are the five things that are being are consistent and and that i have seen in schools and uh and we have a shortage of teachers as well a shortage of, we have a lot of subs in SFUSD, the san francisco unified school district uh that's the district that i am in here in sf and uh and I've seen this also play out in other places. Like I have just reached, recently come back from Colombia. Same thing that's being told to me by some of the families over there. I've, I, I have family in Mexico. Same thing that's being told to me there when I just was there this year. And so uh, it's it's not just happening in the USA. But I do think maybe this is just me. I do think that the that the level of this, this is my opinion. I'm, I I don't have this to be backed up with, but... The level of violence, the rise in violence, um, or the mental health—it—it's uh, because of the pandemic, not because of because of the pandemic, um, has peaked at a level that's that's like way surpassed the normal normality of what the U.S. American consensus is. Uh, because in other countries, for example, I mentioned Colombia, and Mexico, there have already been things that have happened to families and children. There, there's a rise in violence because of the neighborhoods or because of poverty, etc. But that's quite consistent. You know, it's like it's always kind of been that way, and so it isn't like a huge peak as it is here in the USA, which you can see the level of rise. And I'm only saying that because I, I'm looking here. People want to look up. I'm not going to read all the statistics, but here on the Save the Children, which is an international organization, people can see the global. Uh, trends of the rise and the crisis that's happening um uh in that children are facing uh internationally, internationally but also rever- refer- referencing a lot of uh the US american statistics so that's that's what i'm gathering that's my take on it and i can speak further but i'm just going to start off with that that i i believe so yes the pandemic has had <laughs> a lot of uh, effects that i i knew from 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 long back when we had an episode about teachers wanting to close down. Everyone I mean, I don't know how they did you you could see this. This this was gonna this was like we weren't we don't need to be fortune tellers for this.
0: Um I guess my starting point, I agree with Eduardo saying what he's saying that I'll I'll put it this way. Schools are more challenging to teach in now. Um I think the first thing I have to say is it wasn't the pandemic. It was the decisions that the government and the capitalist class made. And we have to made to shut down society, to collapse the economy so they could rebuild it in their name, so they could try they could have a massive wealth transfer upward, and that this isn't like this this increase in poverty is not an accident. It was a plan by our rulers to 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 facilitate that through the through the policies that were enacted over these last two or three years that people call that the pandemic but it's not it was a gigantic fraud to make to allow a theft to take place and a re and a transformation of society so that workers could be isolated students would be isolated and they've su- they succeeded in all of that and um and there's a cost to all of that and there's a cost that teachers as workers didn't signed on to that project they basically said yeah I'm 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 in i want to separate we're going to be separate. And we all knew that the base, particularly at the schools that serve the students who come from the most poverty, most difficult circumstances, we all knew that the basis of, of being able to teach them was, was related to our relationships with them. And we sacrificed all those relationships for the last year and a half under a guise of safety. But it was complete cowardice. It was a complete idiocy on the part of teachers. And teachers were reluctant to come back teachers did would would teach would treat kids like vectors vectors for disease we had shields we had pcr tests of course everyone had to be vaccinated we were, and if you weren't vaccinated maybe you shouldn't be coming back and that that was for and um, teachers were telling people you have to wear masks and students were wearing masks and so not only was there that whole year and a half of separation from each other for students of of actual and and the alienation and the 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 kind of emotional trauma that happened. And of course, we're having a society that is wealth transfer up, so people are getting more desperate. And that's the experience of those children in their homes, which they're trapped in with, the, with, with families that are now being you know, attacked by the capitalist class through the pandemic, through these measures, and teachers basically signed up. And I know for a fact that teachers were nervous about kids coming back. They're nervous about them being, being getting sick from the kids. And so instead of welcoming them, and this definitely happened for me at Mission, and I still feel an edge of that, even at my, own, my new school, instead of welcoming them, I think I do believe teachers in, in more took an attitude of like, well, are, are you safe? We do, an, we do a goddamn temperature check on all the kids coming into the, into the school every yeah. day. Still, still do it. Still do it. They asked me to do it, and I said, I won't do it, you know? So we're still saying. You can you can come to school, but you got I got to see that your temperature is OK. That's a goddamn gigantic fuck you to those kids as far as I'm concerned, because the if the parent says they're OK and they're coming in, whatever, that's how it is. We're all in this together, I thought, but it's not. And so we have we're teachers are reaping only a piece of the whirlwind they deserve as a result of the, the gigantic betrayal we've made to families and students. So they talk about oh somebody went to a hospital somebody yes, but honestly we have we have sacrificed the lives of all these kids we're sending kids are are dying as a result of suicide and as a real, and 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 the fact that we now have a whole generation who when they take their mask down students laugh at them and like they, they got to put their mask back on who's responsible for that tell me who's responsible for that fucking B- Joe Biden fuck you it's not Joe Biden it's not even Donald Trump. Teachers could have just said, fuck all that. We're not doing that. This is a school, you know, but no, teachers literally, when we said don't wear a mask, teachers thought we were the ones crazy. Oh, you're Trump now. And so like, this article disgusted me. It disgusted me because then they go turn around, well, for black and brown kids, we can't punish them versus this. You don't give a fuck about black and brown kids because you said everyone had to be vaccinated. So fuck off. So, I mean, that's where I'm coming from on this is like. There's absolutely no credibility to this article except to say now they're thinking there's some violence and they're blaming it on the kids. And, and we act Eduardo and I already had our episode where we talked about the potential impacts of this and no one gave a fucking shit because they were saying, what about grandma getting sick? What about this? And it was just like, I mean, the numbers on COVID are fucking so low. It's ridiculous. And particularly for children. So that's my, that's my opening for this is like, it irritates the fuck out of me to have to read stuff like this. And I'm not, it's not like, Oh, Emma, I didn't want to, but it's like this, it's, this analysis is entirely fraudulent. It's, it hides more than it reveals. And all I can say is, yeah, there's, it's harder to be a teacher now, but God damn it. They're, we are they're, they're being easy on us compared to what they should do to us, given how deeply we have betrayed the entire generation. That's what I would say.
1: So completely agree with you. And, when I when I read the article, I, oh. I was, again sorry. Go ahead, Eduardo.
2: No, I, I just wanted to quickly uh, correct something, and I agree with Andy. I so I I said pandemic. Uh, I meant to say the lockdowns. That was the decision that people supported. That they should have instead resisted. So I meant to say lockdowns. I agree with you, Andy, you know, the decisions that we made as working class folk, people who were on the ground accepting what was being dictated to us top down, you know, cowardice on, yeah. on, 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 our colleagues, um, and people, uh, deciding to, to comply and be complicit. That's something I kept saying at the time. Uh, that's what I felt like people did not, um, that knowing the how smart the professional class, especially like teachers who think they're er- show their, their arrogancy. They didn't, could, they didn't uh, use their thinking skills to really think about the effects of this, you know, and, and I've if they been- really looked at the science, they would have seen people who actually do follow up COVID stuff. And they saw that you you, CSF, were doing a lot of uh, studies about how the reopening of schools was necessary. So if they were supposed to follow the science, so to speak, right? I'm not going to get into whether the Covid is real or not real or pandemic or anything. I'm just going by the by the way of the thinking of teachers at that time. We have to follow science. We have to follow what science was saying the whole time. We need to get back. <laughs> the CDC is not is showing that 90% of the people are, are recu- recuperating from this COVID. So, uh, so just following the line of thinking that they, they're they about, right? And the whole privilege um, model on identity politics uh, of serving our most vulnerable population. And they, they didn't live up to everything they fucking say, which is we have to be for uh, Black Lives Matter and we have to be pro-science. Like they lived, they didn't live to any... Of, of that they didn't live up to
0: any of that you know
1: Lipson, you wanted to say something before i take us.
0: i'll just say and teachers i would believe most teachers prefer to be online it was easier for them at this point they got they could it, it was i if teachers looked at mostly in their hearts, my feeling going back to mission was most of those teachers would have preferred to be online like they looked fucking like scared rabbits around their kids and and even around each other i mean everyone had their fucking mask on it was like it was like a zombie apocalypse had had struck us And so teachers didn't want to be back. They'd rather be online where you can just like mute, kick you off, way easier to manage the class. Depressing for me, but for them, I believe the vast majority of of teachers want to go online and ultimately the idiots, they're going to be replaced by an AI anyway because of that kind of shit. So anyway, sorry.
1: So completely agree. I remember having these conversations and thinking the exact same thing. For me, going back to the article and why I said I find it interesting that instead of trying to say one, what the root causes are, they're trying to jump straight into how we're going to fix it. And then they give you this bullshit, how you're going to fix it. And even in a in the fact that they quoted and they did articles, to me, she goes to show you didn't really read the articles. You're just using these headlines because, of course, it's a violence sent a principal to, uh, what was it? Um, like intensive care unit, I don't even remember at this point, but they're using this fear and tactics. All this to say that when I go back and I read the article, I came upon two different takes of view of what's causing um, the violence in schools right now. And Eduardo, for you to say, oh, lockdown versus pandemic, it's not an accident why we use them so interchangeably is because that's how the media does. The media doesn't want us to see lockdown is a lockdown decision. It's, oh no, it's inadvert- It's one and the other. They're the same. We had to do it. We had no other choice. The pandemic caused us, forced us to do this. But going back to it, in um, in an in a st- I'm going to start with the one that I think we're all in line with and I'm going to end with the one that I just think it's ridiculous, but it did make me think. <laughs> um. So in the... Public Medical Library, um, you can, this is actually a place that you guys can go and see all articles, articles that have been published across all universities. There was one specific, there was one recent study that compiled, I think it was like, I can't even remember. It was a ridiculous amount. It was over like 10,000 different studies, over 86,000 different individuals. And it was specifically around the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic on people between four and 19 years of age internationally. They did Belgium, Brazil, Canada, United States, Germany, Japan, Netherlands. Like they just compiled all of the studies and they looked at all of them to try and identify what is happening with these children. Well, to your point, Lipson, (laughs) um they're saying this is i'm just gonna start although most children and adolescents infected with covid19 oh this was published in 2022 appear to have had mild to moderate symptoms and limited mortality rates a recent review has identified various mental health problems among those exposed to the covid19 pandemic again i think they use lockdown and pandemic in interchangeably here including anxiety, stress, depression, panic, irritation, impulsivity, somatization, sleep problems, emotional lability, post-traumatic stress disorder, and suicidal behaviors. When they break it down, they're saying that out of the 65,508 participants that are seen throughout all these studies, 28% of them were identified with having depression, 23, loneliness, 5% stress, 5% fear, 5% tension, 3% anger, 3% fatigue, 3% confusion, and worry. And this is not a, oh, I, I feel this way. They sat them and they went through the psychological test. And based off of how you were answering questions or how you were responding to certain tests, they were evaluating to see what exactly you would be diagnosed with. And again, to your point, Eduardo, this was not just the United States. We're looking globally. So this study goes in to confirm if you are between a very critical age where you're developing social skills, it's not just learning to be a person. What do I like? What I don't like? But how do I fit in the world? How do I communicate? How do I respond? And you're taking away that social environment for you to be able to identify, you know, communication skills, responsive skills, then And then you're thrown back when you're shortly understaffed, you've been locked up at home to your point with potentially a violent family member who's under stress because they don't have enough money to put food on the table. How are you going to respond? You're already stressed out. Anything can take you off. And it's not necessarily that you're a violent human being. It's just you put me in a cage. What do you what do you think I'm going to do? Um. So I read that article and to me, that study and to me, it said, yes, That it just cooperates what I've been feeling, what you gents have been fighting for, what we're discussing now. And if we have all this data, because we have this data, we're talking about 65, it's not even a small population. It's a, It's a variety population, right? And nobody's mentioning it. Nobody's acknowledging the harm and the recourse that we have to now do to make it up to these children, because you come back out, oh, take the test. You have to now, what was it, the charter schools or centerized testing? I don't know if they eventually got rid of it or not, but I do know that teachers were being, you know, essentially graded on how many kids are passing these tests? How well did they score? And so the students are in a bad place. You guys are in a bad place. I just don't see anybody coming on top of this, no one. Um, (laughs) can I I mention one thing about that? Go ahead.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, and I, we have to, and this is important. This information that you're, I didn't see that. And I appreciate you looking into that. This is important because we're not at the, we're not done with lockdowns. They're, they're, they're future ones coming. And in fact, a student, like students were not allowed to play soccer this last week because the particle levels were like, whatever they were. And like they wouldn't let them, they, they canceled soccer games. So they're, and like the students came to me, I was like, do you think that was right? And I was like, no, it's not right. It's like dumb. And, but they're, they're going to, they're conditioning us now to be to regular for different things. They're going to be shutting shit down. And so these studies are not going to be useful information for, for people to actually fully digest what the impact of them are.
1: But they don't care. This is to me, it's mind boggling that these these studies have been out. And it's not just one. This particular article, um, what they did is they reviewed, I think it was like almost 4000 studies that have been conducting during lockdowns. And out of those 4000, they narrowed it down to specific scenarios that they were looking for. They wanted to identify what was the mental, emotional, um, mental and emotional consequences on the children. They narrowed it down to 35 out of the 4000. But fine, you have 35 articles that are not just people's opinions. These are actual case studies, we are using the standardized psychological tests that we have to evaluate folks to treat them in a clinical scenario. And nobody cares. And schools that are welcoming back students should be equipped and should know because then you guys don't know what you're coming up to you're just coming to class and things are not normal things are not the same you cannot be expected to operate and pick up where you left off with the same curriculum same kind of tools and resources things are not the same so to me again it goes back to the and I think this is what I told you guys the article goes on a goes a different path and saying this is how we need to solve it but I wanted to tie it back with what was the cost behind it because otherwise we're just wasting time
0: yeah and just to say, you know, teachers will take an antigen test in the morning, and they'll be like, "Oh, there's a little line of COVID. I'm not going to work. I'm out." You know, like that shit. I mean, it's like, and I've, and there are parents who will do the same with their children. You know, they'll see that they got the little little line that shows, "Oh, I'm not going to school." You know, it's you you are no longer in control of your own life. This um, this test decides where you go. Your temperature decides where you go. Are you wearing a mask? Hey, put your mask back on. That was like something for you when you come back. Teachers yelling at kids to put their mask back on, you know? And it's just, it's, um, it, it, it's, I, they do care. I think they are trying to damage people and they're, they're trying to damage them psychologically. I think they're trying to make them more medically fragile. I think that's good for the medical industry. I think it's good for the ruling class. Um, and, and ultimately we're not all needed when we get replaced by robots.
1: Well, this is exactly what I was going to say is, isn't it interesting that all of this to my, to data mine our children, to data mine society, so that when you commit suicide, it's fine. You're a number. I have a machine that will 100% fill you in. And guess what? They're not going to bitch. They're not going to complain. They're not going to strike. What, what break? Lunch? <laughs> Retirement? Pension? Vacation? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know how you know how i don't even know what the, what the word is but how smart how how genius to create a problem that creates a solution that allows for your solution to kick in
0: yeah
1: yeah eduardo before i give you guys the most mind boggling theory what do you think
2: <laughs> uh no i i'm i'm in alignment and agreement with a lot of the most um, calling out the, the, the ridiculousness of how we've got into this mess. What I, I just, the more I, I feel like I, sometimes I feel like I scream into the wind, like, because if I say any of this to my colleagues, there are very few, like very few who are willing just to say, all right, yeah, they'll, they'll say the pandemic, they won't say the lockdowns um but i know one particular person at, at who will tell me and vent on me it's 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 the stupid decisions that people make and she she's on a video um from a, 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 that we did a psa that maybe i'll include here cuz it is public i can say but she she has an uh, we did a psa public service announcement to reopen schools soy estudiante
1: soy estudiante soy estudiante soy estudiante Soy madre. Soy madre. Soy madre. Soy padre. Soy madre. Soy trabajadora de salud de la primera línea. Soy madre and a teacher.
2: Soy maestro y profesor de universidad. Y yo abogo por las familias de mi comunidad.
1: Somos familias. Y formamos parte de la clase trabajadora. Somos latinos. Queremos clases en persona. Es hora de abrir las escuelas. It's time to go back. We've done it before in previous pandemics.
2: Llevamos mucho tiempo atrasados. La historia y la ciencia nos pueden guiar. Debimos haber vuelto de formas creativas.
1: Si se quiere, se puede. Mis cuatro niños ya no pueden más. Temo por su salud emocional.
2: La socialización es muy importante para el desarrollo de los niños. No quiero que estén más atrasados. Estamos viendo que los niños están retrocediendo. Y los que no están retrocediendo no están avanzando porque les falta el apoyo personal de los maestros.
1: Aprender por pantallas no es la forma para sus cerebritos.
2: Los niños son sociables por naturaleza y un niño que está aislado no se desarrolla a su capacidad porque le falta el apoyo de la comunidad.
1: Los estudiantes y las familias para maestros como yo son la prioridad y que tengan la opción de regresar
2: one of the few bravest teachers that were able to come out, Uh, you know, and another teacher there that was there as well. And uh, we had a group of teachers that were trying to do this, but there was this, there was this, there was, I feel like the way it went, it was, there was us who wanted to reopen, right? Educators. Then there were the loudest minority as well, because they didn't want or I don't know. And then there was the people who were just complying complicit, who just went along with the ride, you know, they didn't know what to do, or maybe they just didn't want to. Come. I don't know what their position was, because sometimes I talk to those people and they were like, well, we have to follow with the government, you know, or the, the, the data or whatever. But there were there were there were the people who wanted to keep schools closed, even though they would lie and, and say things we want to reopen, but we want to no, they wanted to keep it closed. And then there were the people who wanted to reopen, like really wanted to reopen, which was a group of us, you know. So there were these two people and we fought. And uh, and I still feel like just reflecting on this, uh, as much as we have data, as much as we have science, as much as we have articles like these that you're pointing out, they're not going to ever admit their mistake their stupid mistake they even the things that they've said i feel like they're like you know like those politicians who are caught in a lie and then you show them a video and this is what you fucking said even the things that they have said on their social media you know it's just white families who wanted to come back like that you know they literally said that i remember seeing that and it's like the you have the, 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 the survey results showing that it was kids of color, families of color that wanted to come back. We should have opened for everyone, but this is what's important to them. That's what their narrative was. Their narrative was, it's not my narrative. It's their narrative. They're the ones that were saying it's just white families that want to come back when the surveys were contradicting what they were saying. So I don't, that's not how the language I'm using to speak to support. I'm, I'm just using, as you said, Andy, with like what, like when we've had other guests, like you're just using what people have said, you know, their words against their own. It's like, I'm just using what they've said. They've said white people, white families want to come back. That was wrong. They said we have to follow the science. Scientists, we shouldn't come back. All scientists were saying kids should come back to school. That's the safest place to be. They said that we're in a pandemic. Well, if you look at history, We've had other pandemics, and kids were going back to school. <laughs> Nineteen—they always talked about nineteen nineteen or nineteen eighteen—the the Spanish flu. Uh, they kept talking about how uh, we need all these rest resources. Well, they were given all those uh, what was it, PPE or but personal protective equipment stuff, and then after, oh no, what we need? Uh, what we need is vaccines. Then we need vaccines, and it's like, oh, finally they got their fucking vaccines. They still didn't want to come back, so it's like. It's like the, the list keeps getting longer and longer what their fucking demands were. And it's like they still didn't want to come back.
1: <laughs> Eduardo and Lipson, if one of these folks because I know that you guys lost comrades, you guys lost people that Yeah, I lost friends
2: and, to this day.
1: If they were to come back and acknowledge, because I don't I it's not easy. It's not easy to do when you look back to your point, Lipson, like, yeah. A lot of, you know, people, we, we are our own, we are the own reason why we're in the shithole that we are. And it can be daunting and it can be scary to admit I caused that problem. I caused that big crash behind me. So I don't think it's easy. Even even if I want and I would like for people to do it, it's not easy. It's not an easy task. But if someone did come and someone did say privately, even if they weren't willing to do it publicly, would you- We've make- had
2: that discussion, right, Andy? What would we do? Oh, not like on what's left. Like, oh, I did not want that. <laughs> no, no, We haven't had that discussion on what's left, but we, you and I have had that discussion, Andy, on the phone.
0: Um, I would be ecstatic. I would definitely welcome I would welcome I'd want well, I'd want to hear more first. I would be doubtful. I do want to hear what they said. But if 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 I heard them say that I collaborated with my authoritarian like I'm no better than the when I I thought that in Nazi Germany I couldn't understand how people went along with it. Now I get it because I did exactly that. I see what a fool I was. I see what a coward I was. Um, and man, it it hurts. But you know, I I just got to I got to be true. I got to be honest. I would welcome that, but I, I would need a, a deep level of honesty about it before I would trust it.
1: Eduardo,
2: I, I mean, I, I, I have waited. For people, some people say things to this day, the people who are very staunch lockdowns, pro lockdowns, they'll say, Oh my God, I'm so happy we've come out of COVID jail. I'm like, I, You know what I want to say? I'm like, fool, that's we needed you. We needed you. If you didn't want this COVID jail, you should have been out here with us. You know, you should have been out here with us. I have people who, they were after one shot, two shots, three, they like, okay, that's enough. They didn't want to have any more shots, but they couldn't get updated. I gave them a COVID card so that they can get in. It's like you, you knew where to find me, like, but you didn't come and you didn't help out when we needed you. Do you know what I mean? And, and I don't care about saying that now. Like I, I gave out a ton of COVID cards. I gave out a lot of uh, letters of, 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 of excuse to not have a vaccine and, and, and made up a bunch of bullshit. I've, I, like I don't care if they come after me for that anymore. Like
1: I don't think they care at this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, they don't. They they're don't even, even forcing care. It. So anyhow, the thing is for me, it's about it's about people being honest, like Andy said. They have to come forward and I wish they would. I have heard whispers through other teachers that still are in contact with like they're on the fence. They're not like radical like us. But they they're like they still maintained our friendship with me. They're in the other circles and they've they've heard whispers of, yeah, it wasn't that bad as we thought it was. Or, yeah, it wasn't, like we should have done it differently. But that's as much, they won't say, I made a mistake. We were wrong on this. I have my friend, I can say this, my former friend, I don't know if we're friends and if she's hearing this, Natalie Rizzi who've been on this show, who is a public figure, who works for the the SFUSD union. I don't ever think she'll come clean and say, yeah, I made a mistake on that. (laughs) Knowing her, because that would admit, that would admit that what you did back then and all your organizing efforts and all that you stood for and silencing me as a person of color that you're supposed to uplift, según supposedly her as a socialist person who as a white woman, that she's always talking about brown folk and talking about working class and talking about the, the wealthy and talking about anti-government and giving workshops on socialism with her party and stuff. As someone as woke as her, I would have thought my voice counted for something. But if she's listening here, if she's listening, I doubt she will. They used to be, listen on what's left and take clips of me and Andy and then show it around uh, my circle of friends amongst those, Margaret Bolstein.
1: They're being memed,
2: you know, they, I don't think they're listening anymore, but they 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 know my position, and silencing me as someone as a woke person as they are, I don't know. We're reading these articles. Thank you, Kema, again for bringing this up. Violence is out, right? And and all of this, teachers are... I, I hear Frank Lara, who is another teacher on the other side. I'm mentioning names now. I shouldn't be doing that. But they're public figures now. They work, they're they working for the teachers' union. I hear Frank Lada at the School of Board, Board of Ed. He's like, teachers are having it hard. Teachers are this. You know, we need more support. Teachers are... Like, yes, I understand you that. It.
1: You did this. You did like, this. I school. understand that.
2: I understand that. Why make it double hard or fucking it was harder already by doing what you all did, which is stood on that side, stood on that side of the lockdowns with the government. And that's when I remember, Andy, I had a conversation with you. I think of them as the police, you know, it's like the police are part of the working class, but they are working for the government. So how can we really work with them? They have to come onto this side. They have to protect us and their state their state violence their state violence is they're fighting against their own people and that's what these teachers were doing they were fighting against us they were doing and i keep seeing the signs of for a strike cuz strikes are they they're, they're going to meet for a strike soon asfsu uh, teachers which the union is united educators of san francisco and they're calling on families to come support i saw a big sign as i was biking up i would uh, exactly. san jose and I saw a big sign right in front of Dolores Huerta saying, come support us, familias. For And I'm like, the, what I wanted to do, and I got my marker, but I didn't do it. What I got, I wanted to do was write down, did you support us?
1: Eduardo, you <laughs> Where know- Where were you at? You know that saying in Spanish, hoy por, hoy por mi no, hoy por mi mañana por ti? Sí. Today for me, tomorrow for you. Like, show for me, I'm going to show up for you.
2: Right.
1: You didn't show for me, I'm not showing up for you.
2: They didn't show up for us so, they didn't show up for because it was v- very little of us educators there were like there were very few of us it was mostly families who wanted to come back they didn't show up for families now they're asking for family support to to, to support the strike like how the fuck do you expect families to support you if you didn't support us <laughs> to begin they're with?
1: So, they're so disconnected. It it would take humbleness. It would take them acknowledging. They won't. That We're sorry. We want to make it right. For it to make it right, we're gonna to need to unite at some point. Let that point be now. They're not gonna have that conversation.
0: Yeah,
2: they um, won't. They're too arrogant. They're too prideful. And you know who actually will? As we're discussing this, who I I've seen I've seen people admit and turn back and flip, I've seen people on the right. Not people who, not always people who are like too far into their, like you, like people who are reasonable. Because I think Natalie Rizzi and Frank Lara, I thought they were reasonable people. They're, they to me seem very conspiratorial. They're at the same level of the people who believe in, you know, QAnon and stuff. Because they're not willing to let go Of a conspiracy, but you know what we what we do have we have facts, and the facts are that that schools closures affected us and lockdowns affected us, and we have a bunch of signs for people who wanted to follow that narrative, and they didn't want to follow that. So there, to me, are the people stuck in a conspiracy. As much as facts are all about facts instead of alternative facts, hashtag alternative facts. If people remember the Trump era, so. Back to this, I've seen people on the right, when you have reasonable people, when you have a conversation with them and you you talk about this stuff, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, you know, and they they have less of that arrogancy than I have seen woke people have. It's the woke leftist people, my people, because I'm a leftist, I consider myself to be leftist. I think it's more complicated than left and right, but just for conventional language and s- conventional sake, my own people on this side of the political political spectrum, they they they're not humble enough they're they're not going to say "I'm sorry I fucked it up you know like no, they're not going to say something like that
1: because it's have- the
2: people on the other side who will.
1: Because you had the educational system, they have the degree from UC Berkeley in, in political sciences. Tell them no, this is the right. They have some, and it just goes back to a bigger and bigger issue, right? But um, I, I want to take us because you mentioned the Republican, um, the the right wing. So that's that's the one that I want to <laughs> reference. But Lipson, did you have something you wanted to add before I do?
0: No, except I don't call these people conspiracists because to be a conspiracist takes takes an ability to look outside the box. To be a conspiracist, you have to be willing to think against the grain. These people are not conspiracists. These people were collaborators and cowards. They they just were only going to be thinking what the, the authorities who are, who are more powerful than, than them, and they know that, are telling them to think. And they they act like they're making a revolution in their classroom when all they're doing is making a, a place of compliance and, and of cowardliness. So. I actually think conspiracy theorists, to people who believe in conspiracies, are actually very critical thinkers, and often will like look very like they'll be skeptical about things. These people, and particularly the people who believe conspiracies, are skeptical about what people in power say. Teachers, love power. They they pray to the people in power. They, they pray like pray to them, bow down to them, and will just do as they're told because that's we've been trained, because that's what our credential is
1: that's what you've been indoctrinated to. Yeah. Part of the system. So to your point, Eduardo, one of the, one of the people that I realized that I like talking to the most about politics that I never suspected was my older brother, because he was a Trump supporter. He's a Republican. And I agree with you. A lot of the times when we had conversations, he wasn't shut off to it. He was willing to hear, and he posed a lot of ideas that with my liberal left background, I I would have never thought of. So I said, OK, well, let's see what other arguments there are to this, that maybe it wasn't the lockdown. Maybe we're all on this lockdown narrative. And so we're I'm only reading studies that propose what I already believe, it just reinforce what I believe. Lipson, are you familiar with um, Dear Colleague Letter?
0: No.
1: So the Dear Colleague Letter apparently was this Obama administration. I don't know if it's a literal letter, but it was a communication saying, and this is what pushed the let's stop suspending and expelling children. And let's start looking at other avenues of disciplining them like these bad, violent behaviors. Right. They he made a case, which is true, that inadvertently, most of the people that are mostly impacted by these expulsion suspensions are people of color, low income. And then that impacts their ability to test well and get into college. and just creates this circular problem. So the article is a Trump supportive argument that states that the Florida Parkland shooter was able to kill and to get, um, I don't know how many firearms he got legally, because even though he was a felon, because of the dear colleague policy, he was never suspended, he was never reported to police. The only thing that they did was they prohibited him from carrying a backpack to school because they were afraid that he would bring firearms instead of addressing it because of the policy that they had enacted due to the Obama era. So the article takes a turn in saying thank Trump that he's trying to take away with all this and we need to hold everybody responsible for their behavior regardless, you know. And then. I I I gave it a shot and I sat there and I thought, okay, well, maybe it's not one, maybe it's a combination of two things. Maybe we have because I do agree how if someone poses a physical threat, which brings us back to the article and how you should navigate it, I, I'm gonna care for the safety of my students. As a teacher, it's my responsibility to make sure that my students have a good learning environment. Now, if that means that I have to move someone and put them and come up with something else, fine. But if someone is physically threatening, I don't understand why. The school district didn't expel. I don't know what the policy or what the procedure is at that point. But then, you know, there has been an increase in shootings in school violence perpetrated by, you know, teenagers, young adults in school environments. And then I I saw how this article, while a Trump supporter, while I was trying to toot and promote Trump's policies, had some say, and according to this, the only reason why the Obama administration took on that policy was because the superintendent, or I don't remember, from Florida, essentially stopped suspending students. It didn't matter. At that time, they stopped suspending students for violent crimes and instead adopted a policy of rehabilitation and said, look, it's working. We haven't suspended anybody. This program is working. But in really, they were, they were skewing the numbers. So they made a point to to mention that, which I thought that was honorable <laughs> to do, at least. But I don't know. I don't know if it's a combination of policies. You know, you're allowing people to get access to firearms. You're not giving people the resources or the actual help that they need because it's easy for you to show numbers at the end of the year. Oh, we're doing great. We haven't suspended anybody. Violence is down in our school. And then you lock them up with all this pent up aggression. And then you release them out to the world. I, I don't know. It, it might be a combination of things. But it it did get me to think. Where the article I I did not like. I thought it was very short. I thought it was fully for the purpose of trying to catch your attention. But did you guys get to the end? I don't even know if you guys got to the end of that article. I did. To me. We knew kids were going to be carrying just ridiculous amounts of stress and trauma. I don't necessarily think that it was all manifesting and acting out in the classroom or aggressive behaviors. Kids were just generally trying to adjust back to school. I think they did that better than everyone thought they were going to do. I don't know.
0: Well, well, Go ahead, uh, Eduardo. You want to respond to? There's a lot of things you said there, so I want to see. No, that. go ahead, hey. Andy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, that last part of the article, in some ways, I agreed with. I actually think families and children have been enti- extremely gracious to their to their to us in their return back. Like, I think, um, given the betrayal, I mean, I, it's not like they know it's a betrayal, but. but given the actual betrayal though that i actually do think we could have reaped much more of a whirlwind than we got i think the thing i would say is um on the question of you know um whether or not we should allow people to get guns well of course i think we should allow people to get guns but I'll, i'll save that for the end um on the question of suspension or not suspension Keep them in school versus don't kick them out of school and da 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 da. As a, as a person in a school, I lean in the direction of forming relationships with the students and trying to see how far you can take that before you kind of like go to this more extreme thing with both the parent and the student. But at the same time, none of this provides a solution because none of it, the source of the violence is not the student. The source of the violence is not the parent. The source of the violence isn't even the school. The source of the violence is this system that we're living in, and that has done this to us. And well, I guess I would say the school is a, is a purveyor of that violence because it tries to gaslight people and makes them, it gets them to go along with it. So I guess I'll, 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 I'll question that or I'll retract that. So we are not going to solve these things by not suspending or suspending. That's irrelevant because the, pro- the violence problem didn't doesn't occur within the child. It it, it lives within society, and it's on an expression through children. And very little actually violence is coming back to blow us back. I would say because there's a whirlwind of violence they've experienced, and they're literally like blowing back on the whirlwind, like blowing with their mouth. Compared to in terms of the the amount of violent pushback, if you will call it that, in response to all their families have faced and they have faced over these last few years, and they continue to face in in a situation where like literally, I as I, I talked to Jennifer and she's getting job after job and she has to get more and more add-on jobs in order to survive. Everyone knows that this is a gig worker shit. Everyone knows you're getting replaced. I mean, in one way, shape, or form. There's immense insecurity about a future. And we're and we're supposed to just whistle along and say, just go to college. You know, do do work, do your work and go to college. That's a lie. You know, and it's gonna be okay. So I just would say this question of suspend or not suspend as it relates to a solution, it doesn't, it doesn't, all of that is, is like, what, what do I prefer? Do I prefer to um, recycle my garbage or throw it in the the trash? You know, whatever, you know, and it's not a solution. It's, it's something that's going to either make me feel better or not. I would say for me, it, it, when I, when I make a case where I say, Hey, let's not do that. Or I say, do do that. That's just about my relationship with that student at that time. I do not think of that as some sort of like um, something that's solving the problem. It's just literally how I'm feeling in relationship to that person then. Because this, this isn't going to get solved by what just the kids do in relationship to in school. It's going to get solved by whether adults continue to just do what they're told. And if they do,
1: then the violence will only grow. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I I think it's a very very hard time to be alive. I think it's a very very hard time to be young, and I hate saying that without being able to offer some kind of solution, some kind of alternative. But I don't have one. I think, you know, and I did want to circle back and say I I do think that what you guys were doing, Lipson, you continuing to teach is pretty much because cost cost you your job. And you guys, and Eduardo, with you doing your mentor circles outside of keeping things, you know, people going in your circles, I, I you guys kept a system of education, a, a notion, an idea, a version of education going during the lockdowns. And that's to be applauded. And I guess at the end of the day, when I bring up this topic and want to have this conversation with you is because I I know that I can't even imagine what a solution would look like. And given that you guys were able to at least come up with an idea or come up with something to do during that time to keep it going, I wonder if you guys can think of one. Because I don't think suspension is it. I don't think necessarily, you know, sitting in a closeted room and reading jolly good books is going to change your either take away the stress you're under and i don't know have we just done too much damage are we past the point of no return
0: i mean i'm of course we give the comment like this is what it comes down to like why we are not we can't let them basically regulate guns because we will need those guns to have the revolution i do believe that not that the guns are the revolution but people will need to be armed if they're going to change their circumstances um but before that that's why I want, I do ultimately need to be outside of institutional education. Um, I don't think this, I think families, and this is why when you have your kid, I'm going to be, I'll be probably an advocate for homeschool or when I retire is when I want to, is when I think I'll be in a better position to work with other people who are trying to do homeschool like situations to get outside of institutional education and see what we can build there. That, I believe in that. Or I think I believe in that. I don't believe in any, I can't do anything in this institution other than enslave and continue, like, as I draw parents to think, oh, he's a good teacher and he's helping my kid. Really, I'm just keeping them in the system. And that, I know that there's, that's not right. Um, But I believe we will have to build other institutions of education completely outside of those existing institutions, not connected to colleges, not connected to so-called employment paths. It's building an alternative society, and that's that's what I believe we'll need. We will need to do, and there we can talk about these things. And there, I do believe people can recover as well. I don't think people are too far gone. For sure, that I don't. I definitely don't believe we're too far gone. Um, but and I think hu- humans have an immense ability to suffer and then still recover from suffering, and even grow from suffering. And this is suffering that's happening. So, but uh, we will need to create a world that is more human and humane and we are going in the opposite direction than that
1: i was just gonna say well we need us we need to pick a temperature brandy and i are not agreeing on the temperature
0: (laughs) wait what do you mean by that
1: (laughs) on getting our own plot of land and setting our own communal (laughs) (laughs) Randy's not playing ball here with the temperature. I don't know. You need to talk to that lady.
0: (laughs) In terms of like what kind of place we'd like to live in. Right.
1: Yeah. The heat. The heat. Yeah. The temperature. (laughs) Sorry, Eduardo.
2: (laughs) No, yeah. Perfect. The audience, Randy is Andy's partner.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Sorry.
0: Um, But even your own family, Hema is, is going to be circling the wagons around each other. I mean, and that's, That's what people are going to be doing um, because they sense things are, are breaking up.
1: I actually in spending more time with Robert and spending more time with my mom, I, I feel very confident. I feel very secure in my circle and could we do it? We could do it. I think that if push came to shove and shit hits the really hits the fan and we get to that stage I, I'm not I'm not even worried about it. I'm not worried about it at all. But I have formed relationships with other people that I know don't have that. And I can't bring everybody. I can't say, and as much as I would like to say, come join, come, we can we can't. It's it's not possible. And that's what's heartbreaking because I don't want to get to that situation. While I know that I will be fine, then my circle, my loved ones, we're gonna be fine. A bunch of people that I care about won't. So,
2: what situation you can tell us, tell the audience. Find it, from it what
1: really break down if things really break down if chaos really ensues. You know, I didn't bring these things because I don't think it, it hits into this topic. There's this is a small conversation in a bigger. Is a small topic and a bigger conversation. And and I was bombarding Lipson with some of the stuff that I've been getting and things that have been making me feel nervous about just in general, the world state and where we're heading to as a society and not just in our values, but also in the setting, in the economical playground that we're all a part of. And it's frightening that we are not having the social skills. We're not having emotional stability. We don't have financial stability. I don't. And so many things are not in place. That all it takes is just one little push. It just takes one little natural disaster to send this whole thing going. And to be dramatic, because I'm dramatic, I was on Lipson, Mad Maxing it. I don't think we're that far off from Mad Maxing it. Look how easily we were able to be all put into line in lockdowns to give up all of our rights, to give up our quality of life, to essentially put lay down and let ourselves just be fucked, for lack of a better word, because now we're worse than we were before. And for people like Jennifer that are getting a job after a job after a job, I have a good job. I make very I make good money. My partner makes good money. And we're not living lavishly by any means. And we can just continue to live because we have a great living set. But that can easily be taken away. And then where do we go? So that's what I mean, Eduardo. It's those little things. When I, I see that, I know I'm going to be fine. I know my circle is going to be fine. I don't know about the rest of society. And I would be a terrible human being and a terrible community member If I wasn't thinking about those folks and thinking about, yes, I'd be fine, but can I do anything to make sure that other folks will be fine as well? Because otherwise, then what's the whole point of being in this podcast? What's the whole point of having these conversations or calling myself a community advocate? (laughs)
2: Because
1: I want to sit here and I want to talk and talk about my opinions, but I'm not actually doing anything. It's not a thought because you have to think these things. People say, speak with action, speak with intent. Act with intent. Those aren't words that just get thrown around. That means you do. You have to think about these things. You have to consider them, even if that means for me taking on a show when I know my calendar's fully booked. It doesn't matter if I can even get one person to start thinking or one person to reach out to their community and say, how can we organize together if something were to happen? then we're done. We just need little pods of people all over the place that can just act as one in community. And I'm not saying, oh, liberal, anarchy, revolution, socialist, communist. I'm not thinking that. I am literally saying, get your community so that when shit hits the fan, you all know what to do to survive in that scenario. I joke around with Lipson, but I'm like, Lipson, you're lagging behind. Brandy is clearly the grower in our community. My partner is the builder. I am, of course, the intellectual person. I don't know what is bringing to this thing.
0: <laughs> I got to get rid of you so I can be the intellectual person.
1: <laughs> but I know it's fun in games, and I say it jokingly. But you know, community is what pulls you up, and you, we, you, we need to think about it. We need to think about it consciously. Not just talk about it, because if something does happen, you need to be able to act and almost act on instinct. That's what I mean, Eduardo.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, On (laughs) that
1: note, no,
2: no, it's good. Uh, On that note, just for folks who, along with this train of thought that you are saying about, What do we do about it you started off with what if we do about it a few minutes ago and then andy responded and you also thought like you know we need to do something and and instead of just you know having these discussions i invite people to to look into their communities you know we have workers and students for choice i have not i have not attended in these in these months but you know, I attend other ones where I'm. At, I am. i am i not a worker and students for choice virtual meeting, but I, I attend my my local my local uh, community meetings, which aren't workers like titled this way. They're, but I I invite people to look into their communities and to start off wherever they're at. If it is a neighborhood, if it's two neighbors, three neighbors, and you organize together to overtake plot of land together or to decide as ten neighbors not to pay the taxes because you're gonna decide you're gonna squat in your homes, or if you're gonna be like those African American women in Oakland who I admire who over who overtook their school and occupied their school. Or if you're going to take up uh an entire street, such as bikers do for critical mass, but they should do that consistently, not just once a month. And if you are a parent, in my case, uh, I I attempt to uh, you know Andy talks about homeschooling your children. I I get that. I I do get that. I understand. And we've had this ongoing discussion slash debate. You know, where is the revolution going to start, or where do we cause these changes? Andy thinks it's outside of the schools, outside of the institutions. I think that's what you believe in now, Andy. Right? I I I have come. As someone who has done uh, homeschooling for uh, a child that I fostered, and also for my own nephew during the whole uh, lockdowns, I, I I mean I can see the benefits. It, it's very enriching for one's personal growth. But uh, and I would love to see like more families join, as some of the people that we have interviewed here on What's Left. But for me, my heart is with the community, as is yours, Emma as is yours, Andy. And we each have organized in different ways and in different communities. And I'll just speak to my own experience. I don't think that I could let down or disconnect myself from the working class folk that are not woke, that are also not on the right. They're just families that are your typical working class families that are trying to live day by day and put food on the table. And they're in the Mission District here in San Francisco. It could be in in outside of paris if i was living in france it could be in um, chimalhuacan outside of mexico city if i was living in mexico it could be in the south of bogotá if i was living in colombia but i'm here right now in san francisco california and it's in the mission district and that's where i choose to be and i choose to organize with those families and hopefully inspire them in conversations that i've been having ongoing discussions I understand they sometimes look at me for immigration services or references, or they want me to write them job letters and I'll do some of these things. Or they'll ask me about like, how can they get their children enrolled for an enrichment activity? These things are sort of dealing with like the like holes of a ship just to patch things down. I understand where they're coming from. Uh, And even today I had two mothers, three Come to me about like how can they get legal services and also how do they fill out immigration parole for their families to come here to this country and I will help them. I will, I will always help them, but I hope that in helping them they gain that confidence with me that they can go beyond immigration services. That can go beyond that and be like, you know what? Why don't we all go down to the border and actually help some people of your families cross with us? <laughs> you know, that's why I hope that we overtake the border. <laughs> Give me that. Lock, lock down our school. And, you know, if some family doesn't have some family doesn't have a place to sleep. Well, we'll take the school over and have them sleep there. You know, we do have some schools right now where they use them as like re- um shelters. But I'm saying our community for our school, you know, and running our school without a principal, which is an overseer in my in my eyes. And instead running it by families. And so what I say Two things to your question, what do we do as an alternative? Keep organizing, don't give up. That's the only thing we can keep doing, is keep on working in our communities, that's one. My message to teachers is if you want us to strike with you, uh, maybe don't be so top down and only think that you're the teacher in your, the classroom. Maybe you should invite some families and start teaching with, co- teaching with your families. If you want us to, you just want to use families out on the streets, but you don't want to use them in the classroom. But in, instead, why don't we organize together? And I'd like to see a school run by teachers and families, actually. Do you know? Uh, but these are ideas. And, you know, I mean, I've always thought it daunting to start a revolution. I've always teased Andy and Kenny on this show about, like, when the revolution train will start, I'll hop on. And I used to vote. And people have seen my growth and, and development here. But I really do think that it starts from your local grassroots community Then you organize with other local grassroots community and then you create that network. And then you'll eventually, as I keep saying, if you can take over your city, take over your city. And then once you take over your city, then it's like, I want to see that happening. And, you know, you've 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 teased me a few times when we've gone out and you say, well, if that will happen, you really think it will happen. I don't know in the USA but i have seen it happen in mexico i have seen communities do it and that inspires me and for a country that's considered a second second class or you know global south i have seen communities in colombia and mexico take over and that inspires me it may not be at the level that i wish or would like but i think there are the forces that keep it down but i have seen communities and i've brought them up and i've talked about them people doing community policing instead of they, they don't call it community policing, but I'm just using for that. They take away their police, and they fight against narcotraficantes, and they also fight against the police. And they take care of the communities. They build their own schools. They open up their own clinics. I've seen it happen. Ted Bundy and all this Bundy stuff out there in Oregon that gave us an example of what occupying could look like, even though they were on the right and not that those are my people. Or even the 6th of January with all the people overtaking the Capitol. These folk are on the right. Are examples of even though I'm not in support of their ideals but it does show something about that what it manif- what it showed for me was how strong the armor and force of this country is that will not allow uprisings and so that's the thing I think the challenge is in this country it's that we need to stop thinking so left and right Even though when I talk about leftists, I'm not saying that I'm completely on this. I'm just saying it's a whole spectrum. It's a very complicated thing. But we need to start uniting fronts together. And people, stop stop taking up the border issue. People who are listening to us, the medical freedom people here listening to us, stop pretending like you're for freedom when you're against open borders. And we need to be together. And that will cause a real revolution, but I, I don't, I don't see that happening. And I've mentioned Mexico and Latin America as an example of how you can have your differences where example of my family, you can be super anti-abortion religiously, but you're having abortions left and right. (laughs) So it's like contradictions.
1: You know what I'm talking
2: about, Hema, (laughs) how contradictory they are. It's like homosexuality is such an awful thing religiously. But you're over there accepting your cousins and your nephews and everyone who's gay and whatever. It's like such a contradiction, right? And here I see football teams, people, you have to believe the same thing and you have to stick on this side. And unfortunately, these football teams that I see in the USA is what keeps us divided. And I don't think we're going to get anywhere and we're not going to be able to fight the forces. This working class revolution that's going to have to happen here in this country has to really unite has to, even if our differences are there, it has to really unite. I don't see that happening here. So I'm not sure. I have a little, I have, I don't have a lot of hope here in this country, but the only thing that gives me hope is back down South, seeing those communities. Hopefully we'll do that here.
1: Hopefully. I actually think it's in the next generations. And I don't know if I had this conversation with you, Lipson, But I think that that's where the education system and the upbringing and also families need to acknowledge that education starts at home. You can't rely and put everything on the teachers, which I think is also part of it. And it's become easier because parents have no other option because they're working two, three three jobs. They don't have time to sit with their child and educate them. So it's easy to say, well, that's why I sent them off to school. Right. But I mean. A lot of these revolutionaries, they studied, they learned, you know, Lipson, when you guys were in the ISO, wasn't like studying a big major part of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I would describe it, except that the organization itself was captured by problems. Um, I think that education, though, was not you wouldn't get a you wouldn't get a degree for that education. That was what? your doing your own self-education.
1: But in this new school system that you guys are envisioning,
0: right? You you just you learn what you learn, you do what you do, and you study what you study, and and then you see what happens. What what happens when people who are who want to be free decide they want to like figure out what is what should education look like in a free society? I don't think we know the answer to that.
1: No. But who knows? It might stop all this school violence. <laughs>
0: I for sure it would for sure that way. I mean, but that's only the tip of the iceberg of the level of, of the kind of violence it would, I think it, it, could, it would stop. Cause I think it would stop a lot of violence, like a lot of the violences in society, the violence of inequality, let alone the violence of wars and things.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't know. They say the children are our future. We're not setting them up to have a, or even build a very good future.
0: I, I I think to me that's always a cop out. I think the adults have a responsibility to put up a fight right now. Um, that's true, Auntie. Um, and one thing I'll say for people who don't necessarily because Hema, you're you're not as well known by folks here. Um, of all the people here, I know that I you know my job was over as a result of taking the stand. And Eduardo certainly has been outspoken with his families around lockdown, fighting lockdowns, and and trying to get people back to school. Um, but Hema. You also are not a, a um, you are no stranger to the notion of what do you do when the shit hits the fan? When that when that was in Nicaragua, when the government, because what do we really mean ultimately when the shit hits the fan? We're not talking about an earthquake. We're talking about when the government and the institutions come after you and want to kill you. And, and they make it more plain that, that that's what they're prepared to do. You face that in Nicaragua and, and you did exactly what you're urging people to do, which is to find the people you trusted and go out and take risks of risks together on how to stay alive and how to push back against that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's not you saying what you're saying is not an abstraction. You've already been through the fire bit and done and walk the walk,
1: which is why I'm very optimistic. Now. I don't know if I was just lucky. I hope that it wasn't just luck. I'm, and you, you learn, you get experience, right? You know, you go to war once second time you're better hopefully at it, but. I also, Nicaragua is a whole other thing when it comes to political conversations, yeah. and even uniting and standing up than this country is. It, I I generally believe that even though things are very difficult right now in Nicaragua, I still think it would have been easy. It would have been more likely to have an actual revolution in Nicaragua than here.
0: Yeah, that's what Eduardo was saying as well. And the one thing, the one, the the most important change that 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 experience made to you is it made you question your ideas on gun control.
1: It did. Um, So for the audience, you know, I've always been anti-gun, anti-guns, like, don't, nope, I don't need them. I don't want them. The most that I was willing to get was one of those BB guns that shut, that um, like shot out salt salt stuff. So like you could stun them, but no way that they would die. Just that I would have enough time to run. (laughs) But after that, I realize why the Republic, you know, I, I don't want to say Republicans, it's not just Republicans, but you know, why people are so gun ho and why as cheesy and as horrible as it is to hear myself say it, the right to bear arms is. Yeah. I, I see it now. I, I, I do. I am now a firm, firm believer in arm up. <laughs> learn to make Molotovs. Learn to make mustard gas. Learn to.
0: Eduardo <laughs> is now. Marty's going. Oh my God! This episode is going to be.
1: <laughs> We're keeping all this. There's a lot, to,
0: there's a lot to edit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping it. No, I don't
2: know. We're gonna be again the platform. The platform. Oh.
0: No, it's fine. It's talking fine. about creating bombs and stuff. No way.
1: Oh, we'll take away that part, Oh,
0: it's fine. You, we, we were laughing, so everyone understood. <laughs> on, they take these things seriously? Uh, <laughs> going to give us the best?
1: I guess that's one thing that I will. We we can bleep it out so that it's implied. Our audience will know, but YouTube can't come for you guys.
0: I don't like that. I just like saying what we're going to say. We'll, we'll see what happens, but we'll you know, we'll, we'll discuss later.
1: This is That's very- Andy
0: China Sam a fight for this to stay on.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. This was great. Honestly, I think we hit a lot of points, but it's also because we haven't gotten a chance to sit down and talk. And there's definitely a lot of stuff I think going on. And I know for me, you guys get this avenue once a week. I I don't. And you know, I'm looking forward to joining you guys. I I am.
0: This has been great. So uh
1: Oh, I do have one comment to make before we close out. Yeah. And this is staying on, Eduardo. So when we first opened up the episode, Lipsing made a comment about my yellow sweater. To which I replied, you guys need to stop being so goddamn depressing. You and your dark colors. I understand we are talking about very dark subjects, but can we not shed some, you know, light and make it a little bit optimistic? You know, when do we I wear dark
0: girls, colors normally?
1: Yes, every single time I've seen you, you're set with some dark color.
0: <laughs> we're gonna, we're probably gonna have to get a, a change in wardrobe, and this is what the, this will be a part of the change for Emma's episodes. We're all gonna have to wear different clothing. You say, light Move that shirt. Find something green, or I don't know, bright green. So. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I wear my light colors underneath.
2: <laughs> the revolution
1: will be in rainbow.
2: oh my goodness i don't really like the rainbow actually
1: (laughs) all
2: right here we go all right well thank you that was a good conversation and i hope folks in the audience liked it if they liked anything they can always comment in the section below and that does it for this week's episode Mm, all right um so What's left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenge in the mainstream level. We post information about our topics and our guests in the episode notes, wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what's left podcast.com. That's what's left podcast.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you fancy anything you heard here, please subscribe rate of you, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes, podcast, Google play, uh, bitch shoot, YouTube rumble or telegram. You can find our blog in any of those links in the episode notes, wherever you found this episode. Um, if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. <clears throat> I'm Eduardo Barca, the co-host, the Lipson, and Gemma Sotomayor. Uh, you, can, you can find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and just his Twitter handle as at jhomie89. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Ciao.
0: And we're gonna to have to say, you know, a little bit goodbye to Jessica. Au revoir, at least, you know. Of Let course. People know about Jessica, because she what? didn't. She didn't say anything on any of those episodes. She was. Oh, she's so stubborn.
2: I don't understand why you want to say goodbye.
0: Okay, well, well let's I just think not. Like
1: answer. in term, like maybe like pause.
0: We aren't we tell, We're telling our audience that Jessica's not going to be here for a while. And we'll just we we'll just say it very clinically. We don't care. I don't care. Obviously, I, obviously, I don't care. I think it's. I'm, oh my goodness. I'm immune to that knowledge. So we'll just act like that to the audience too. That, they'll love that. Like we don't <laughs> give a shit about each other. Oh my goodness. It's not like YouTube's really about the personality. It's actually about the content. Content. <laughs> oh, content. I, I'm being completely. I've
1: people come and stay here for me. People are <laughs> tuning into your show to see when is Am I going to be back.
0: And, Am I be back? <laughs> That's the truth, though. I mean, people—I don't understand how you think Eduardo and Jessica have done this long enough to know that and been on these social media things enough to know that it's about the people. It's about the personalities. People become—they become interested in the different individuals. So they're like, I don't understand why they wouldn't want to like have a more personal response to leaving. I would. So, Aduardo's going to make all sorts of excuses because he's also very private and doesn't want to share his actual emotions with the audience. But, um, you know, now that I have you on board, Hemma, I think I have somebody who understands this medium a little better. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You Relax yourself. All right. Uh, (laughs) Let me get water. I can get water.